Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Dan Whedon. Welcome to Unleashed, the podcast. I have a very special guest today. Before I introduce Jay Connor, uh, I just want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to Unleash the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find us all over where you get your podcasts. We're ubiquitous. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and now Pandora Podcast. Hey, we've even got a really great patron program, so check that out. But listen, today I've got a very special guest and we're going to read the room here. Now, nah, I, I, I got to, I, Jay, I got to quit my, my, I can't quit my day job. I don't have, I don't have Jerry Seinfeld in me. We're going to talk a lot about reading and reading, especially for young people. Uh, Jay Connor is the leader of learning ovations. Jay and I were introduced by a mutual friend who thought that Jay would make a great guest for my podcast after meeting Jay, I completely agreed. Jay, welcome to the program. Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. You know, one of the things that I think is so important to have this conversation is, is really about our future. Uh, because every generation has said, you know, the kids are our future. The kids are our future. Those kids, you and I once were those kids. We grew up. But our future today is dependent on kids being able to grow into really great adults. And reading is an important part of that, maybe more so than, than what people thought, especially at a younger age. Talk about what you and Learning Ovations are, what your mission is. Our mission is all children reading at or above grade level by the end of third grade. Uh, seems fairly simple, straightforward. Why would you even need to have a mission like that? And where that mission comes from, Dan, is in the U.S. and in Canada, in North America, fully less than 50% of our kiddos are able to read at the end of third grade. So I'm going to stop. That blows my mind. And I, I, I don't mean to stop because I want to hear the rest of it, but I, I want you to repeat that because that shocked me, and there may be people listening and watching who are shocked to hear that. Would you mind repeating that? Absolutely, Dan, and I think your shock is a big part of what we need to change because this needs to be a social movement, is that in North America, Canada as well as U.S., is fully 50% of our kiddos are finishing third grade without the capability of reading at grade level. So what that means is that in fourth grade, which you know everything shifts to assuming that you can read so that you can start doing all of the kind of learning that is so important for this next generation. Um, that's when story problems start in, uh, in school. And if you're not reading, you're not gonna be able to do math, you're not gonna be able to do STEM work, you're not gonna be able to do collaboration work. So it is in fact in impacting fully half of our kids. So it's interesting. You mentioned that's when story problems start. I remember story problems and, and it's funny, I guess I never thought about when those actually started, but if, if you're struggling with reading, story problems become a real problem. Absolutely. Uh, and if story problems become, then math becomes problem. a problem. And math becomes a problem. Science then becomes a problem. Everything. Yeah. It's a cascade. 
So, and, and even, you know, we're talking about science and math, but the arts become a problem. Every, every level of learning and growth uh, is, is subject to that. So tell me, I guess the, the, the question that I have and that maybe people listening are having is wait, 50% is, is a, a shocking number. Why? What right. shocking number? Why is that the case in North America that you'd think is at the highest level of the availability to get reading to everybody? The, the main reason for that is that there is no clear shared understanding across all the school districts about the community efforts, whether it's in the home or you know, after school programs, in terms of how best can we support kids to read? Our research with the U.S. Department of Education, randomized control trials at the highest level of research that you can have, discloses that it's not the kids. Brain science tells us that irrespective of a child's background, irrespective of their ethnical and ethnic uh, heritage, is fully 90 to 95 percent of all children should be able to read just on the basis of brain science. Okay. So kids walk through that classroom door, let's say the, the first grade classroom, is that they have the potential and the capability of learning to read in those classrooms. What happens is the adults are not supported, they don't have good materials, they don't have the right way of supporting each child to their individual needs. So they, they kind of teach to the middle, and what happens is kids on both extents, those kids that are doing better off, they start slipping back. Those kids that are struggling continue to struggle. One of the pieces that I think levels the playing field as adults think about this, it's not just those kids, the struggling readers. All of us kind of have our view of the world to say, well, my, it's, you know, the Lake Wobegon world. You know, my kid's okay, my kid's above right. average. Right. What happens when we aren't able to individualize to where the child's needs are is the more successful reader is held back as well. So, so that, that, that's the concept of what you just said. And again, you got my head spinning a little bit because I, I come from it as a former school board member uh, for five years uh, in what's now about a decade ago. But I started thinking about what you said of teaching to the middle that not only uh, you know, are those who are struggling with it held back, but so are those who probably could use the challenge, not probably, but could use the challenge, and they're kind of pulled back into that middle frame. Absolutely. Our research shows that if you don't meet a child where their needs are, so for example, let's take a, a more successful reader is that if they're given, which is typical in first or second grade, if they're given a lot of phonics worksheets and they're already having mastered phonics, the, the percentage of phonics worksheets they get is in direct proportion to the degrading of their reading skills. Interesting. So if somebody has mastered something, let them move forward. Right. So here's a very interesting piece. When we were working with you know, school districts across the country are working with school districts across the country. In our research, in high need populations, these are lots of kids that are in free and reduced lunch, which is a marker for poverty. Lots of kids that are English language learners. That means that English isn't the predominant language right. at home. Uh, 
if, if you're teaching them in those environments and meeting their needs, those kids can not only be at grade level at the end of third grade, but actually can be reading at the average of the fifth grade reading rate. Mm. And so what that says is that every child with a proper nutrition to meet their needs is able to really propel their work forward. And so we've got kids in classes that should be reading Harry Potter as opposed to doing phonics worksheets. We've got other kids in classes that are holding the Harry Potter book upside down because they don't even understand how letters go together to create sounds. And so if you'd said, what is the overarching reason why we've failed for the last 30 years? And this is under NAEP national testing numbers. We have not been able to get more kids reading at grade level on a consistent basis for the last 30 years. It's the fact that classrooms are much more complex now than they were. And by complex, I don't mean it in terms of skills necessarily. I just mean it that in a classroom today, a first grade teacher is very likely to have kids with pre-K or kindergarten skills, as well as skills that are second grade or third grade equivalent. But we're still handing that teacher a teacher's manual with only resources available for first grade readers. So we're concerned. That that teacher's hamstrung then. Exactly. Gotcha. And our whole effort, Dan, is how do we support the adults in that child's life so they can be giving the resources that that child can uh, have to expand. So it isn't about what's wrong with the kiddos or what's wrong with their home or what's wrong with their community. It's so much that we aren't supporting the adults with the right materials, with the right way of understanding what that child needs to get to those results. So let me ask you about the materials and it's going to kind of delve into probably a more of a social discussion because we know that uh, school districts are funded by property taxes. I think that's a fairly common uh, common theme, property taxes. Those that tend to have higher property taxes because they're in more affluent uh, or even middle-class areas tend to have better resources than those that come in, in, in lower. And so I'm guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing the materials and the resources and the availability and the access is, is certainly not equal across the board. So some of the challenges come where the resources are poor and it's not the fault of anything other than this is where you live. That is not a constraint. It's, a, it's true. What I'm saying to you is true. Yeah, uh, some districts have much more resource, but those districts on average are spending more of their resources for the children within those affluent districts that have failed to read at grade level, then, then it would cost them to be able to support all of their children reading I at see. grade level. So the issue is not, now again, I'm not in any way trying to say that there aren't schools that are disadvantaged sure. by our tax systems and all of that. There are. There needs to be a much better sense of how do we bring resources to the child and not to the zip code. So I'm, I'm completely with you on that. But we don't have to think about it as just throw more stuff at it, throw more gotcha. into the classroom or whatever. What it needs to be is how do we support those teachers to know for each one of those children, what is the best mix of amount of time of instruction 
and type of instruction. And that can be done, Dan, we've been able to find it done across any type of curriculum. So if you're dealing with a curriculum that you've had in place for three to five years, it's just as good if you know how to support the child with their needs as a new fancy curriculum that's just off the press. Jay, how has COVID and virtual learning uh, changed everything in the last year? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to come at it from a slightly different direction and then I'll talk about children outcomes. But what COVID has done in a very real sense has brought the community much more into the education sphere. Parents are much more aware of what happens in classrooms. Communities are now much more aware of. Remember, schools used to be fairly hermetically sealed. You know, you dropped your kid off at eight in the morning <laughs> and then picked them up at two or whatever. Right. Now with distance learning, with the Zoom cast and all of that kind of stuff, you have a lot more informed consumers of what's happening for children's education. So from our vantage point, COVID has been very helpful in terms of opening people's eyes, making it available. At the same time, when you have less amount of time for teaching, many schools were closed without distance learning operations for months. Right. Is that there's going to be loss. There's going to be the inability because you just physically weren't there with a teacher. And what's so critical about reading, Dan, in I'll say pre-K, but certainly from kindergarten to third grade, is it very much is about adults helping support the child and what their needs are. We can't think about this as child children on their own with their own agency, like we think about middle school or we think about high school. This critical moment about teaching, reading, is something that really requires adult participation, adult role modeling, adult helping break the code. And then children can go on their own after that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plug your website here and I'd like you to, to share what Learning Ovations does. And it's learningovations.com and Ovations is O-V-A-T-I-O-N-S. And I'll have this on all of the, the different uh, uh, places that I, I post this, but learningovations.com. Talk about what it is that you do. Yeah, Learning Ovations is an outcome delivery partnership. So what we hold as our goal is all of those children reading at grade level. So we're able to work with districts in terms of what their prior investments have been. If they bought a curriculum, fine. We'll work and help them make that curriculum support getting kids to outcomes. If teachers have just been used to teaching whole class and need to be able to be more uh, focused on individual skills and small group instruction, we'll work with them on that. So our commitment to the district is we'll meet you with whatever your needs are to assure that by the time that child that walks through your door in first grade, by the time they graduate from third grade, well over 90% of them are gonna be reading at grade level. And that's transformative to districts. And so we're not saying get a new curriculum or a new silver bullet. We're saying we'll take whatever system resources you have in place, augment that, align that, and assure that your teachers can support your kids getting to grade level. So your your client is a school district? Yes. Do you work with both public and private? Yeah, and charters. And um, charters? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
The other set of clients that has been um, mainly driven in the COVID environment is we're now working with a number of community literacy organizations as well. So for example, right at the beginning of COVID, the US Department of uh, Education asked us, can you take your algorithms? Can you take the way that you're able to identify an individual child's need and then match it up with an activity that's gonna help them get to grade level? Can you translate that so parents can do that at the home? Because we were dealing with months where kids weren't gonna have school. So we built that and we've worked with partners like Reach Charlotte in North Carolina. We're working with Read by Four in uh, Philadelphia, Stand by the Child in Memphis. So they're able to get those resources that are evidence-based, right. used by teachers in classrooms, now available to be used in the home. In a sense, they're all talking the same language then. Dan, <laughs> you put your finger on it. Teaching reading was a tower of Babel. Everybody had their assertion, their best practice. This, this is going to work. That's not going to work. Nobody, until the research that we're dealing with, really sat down and says, what does it take to assure in multiple environments that these kids are going to get to grade level? I want to talk a little bit about those kids that have, you know, sometimes they're not identified with it until too late, but are dealing with issues like dyslexia, or I know uh, hearing loss or hearing challenges makes, makes a big difference. How, can you just talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And, and I think this is another big part of the crime and a huge part of the expenditure that districts are, I'll say suboptimizing, let's sure. just <laughs> leave it at that, is that by waiting for children to fail, by waiting until you figure out, oh, it's a hearing problem, or oh, they have dyslexia, and then we have to put them into a, a special, special education ed, category yep, or whatever. Yep. In many ways, you've now lost two or three critical years of supporting the teacher. So all of our vantage point starting, as I said, in pre-K, but in most of our districts, the partnership is kindergarten through third grade, is let's do all of this work in the general education classroom. And by doing that, Dan, we've actually been able to reduce the number of referrals to special education, the number wow. of kids that need extra stuff by over 50%. And part of that though, Jay, would also be, you know, the identification that helping helping teachers and parents to identify, I wonder if my child has a hearing problem. Absolutely. I wonder if my child is has dyslexia because that's the first step is 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 having that thought. I wonder if, right? Absolutely. But here's here's the thing to really keep in mind in terms of you know the kind of at the global level, at the overall level, is I had mentioned that 90 to 95 kid percent of kids by brain science should be able to read at grade level. So that means that, you know, in most classrooms across the board, you're talking about at least five, six, maybe even 7% of kids that are gonna have learning disabilities, that are gonna have problems that need additional supports. What we're budgeting right now in our school districts is 15 to 18% of those kids. So it's that, wait a second, only about five kids really need this really expert excellent support, but we're failing the other 10 to 15% within the classroom by not teaching them 
in time, with the right time. What the researchers call that is instructionally induced mm. special education. That means that it isn't the failure of the child, it's the failure of the adults in the system to support that child at that moment in time. So there are children with learning disabilities, but we need to make sure that we're not creating learning disabilities by not giving the children the supports they need in the general education classroom. Jay, this has been awesome. And I, I want to have you back on. I'm going to have you uh, talk about how school districts and parents may be able to, to help get the word out. But I have a grandfather question first. So I have a I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. They're both little girls, my granddaughters. For those parents and grandparents who have kids who haven't even started school yet, what are some, some tips that we can do to help them get prepared to be better readers? That's, Dan, such a perfect question and such an important question. And again, this is a question that we're seeing more and more. And what you can do is not just think about reading as the end point, or I'm going to read to the child. Think about it as the beginning point in terms of, do they know how to pronounce that letter? Do they know how two letters together come and make a sound? And that can be done as early as three years and four years of age, where you're really playing with sounds, where you're playing with letters coming together and making a word, and then they're translating that word to what they're seeing on the page. The, the most important thing for parents, adults, grandparents to know is that we have been talking for multiple millions of years we have only been reading for about 100,000 years. Wow. And so reading is a learned practice. So don't think about it as just reading to the child at night. Think about it as playing with the child about sounds. Yeah. Think about it as playing about words. And then you will see over time, they'll be reading to you at night. Wow. Wow. Man, that was, Jay, that's fantastic. So for anybody who's out there listening, whether they're part of a school administration or they're sending their kids to a school and say, I just heard this great podcast on Unleashed the Podcast, which they subscribe to, right? How do they get a hold of you? The best way to do it is go to our website, which you said before, learningovations.com. There is a connect us page, a contact us page. But in many cases, there's also things that people can self-select and see, oh my God, this would be really helpful for me. Or, boy, I want to share this with my administrator because this is something that we have. We try to make it as approachable as possible, but there definitely is a contact us page and we right. will be in touch with and you. And I think there's a podcast page where you're doing some podcasting Absolutely, too. Absolutely, and we might need to have you on one. Well, I'm I'm available anytime. Jay, uh, Jay, Jay Connor, I want to Thank you very much for being on. We'll have to have you back. Uh, really appreciate your time today and best of luck as you go on doing the great work that you do. Yeah. Hey, listen, everybody else, this is this is great work that we have. We have fantastic guests just like Jay Connor. Uh, please make sure that you're liking our Facebook page. That's how you're watching right now. If you are, uh, subscribe uh, to Unleash the Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Pandora Podcast, and think about becoming a patron. I've got some great patron uh, episodes up. But for right now, please, it's still dangerous out there. Wear your mask, be safe, be healthy, and above all, be unleashed. <laughs>